Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve Wellness Experience. I'm Dr. Bill Jensen, and today we're going to be speaking about intermittent fasting. So we got a really awesome guest for you today, making her very first appearance on the podcast show. So she's got a ton, a ton of knowledge on the topic, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot and you can apply it to your health to weight loss or any other things that uh, intermittent fasting is really, really good for. So I hope you enjoy the content and uh, let's go with this. All right. So Welcome to the show. We have uh, a great guest here today, Dr. Amber Worley, who's a chiropractic physician. She is the COO of Premier Wellness Centers, and uh, it took a lot of bribing and some big bonus money in order to get her on the show today because she normally doesn't come on camera or do podcasts and things like that. She's kind of behind the scenes, making everything flow and making sure that the organization is really successful. But she brings a lot to the table beyond uh, organization and operations because uh, she has a really, really keen interest in health and wellness, especially when it comes to intermittent fasting. So Dr. Worley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> so before we dive into um, you know the topic of intermittent fasting and everything as it relates to that that everybody's going to be listening to um, at home... Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your background, and um, how you got to to be involved with some intermittent fasting. Yeah, so um, definitely first time going to be on the show, so it's thanks again for having me. Mm-hmm. And um, my background is um, I went to school and studied anatomy, health, and wellness, ended up going through chiropractic school, um, started treating patients, loved all of it, but I realized that my passion started to lead me a little bit away from just structural and into a little bit more biochemistry. Um, it's something that I love doing. Surprisingly, I'm a big nerd. I'll, I'll read about it at least a half an hour a day or listen to a podcast for an hour a day on anything I can get my hands on, on longevity, on health, on wellness, on the new science. I understand. I used to read textbooks, which textbooks are good. They're boring to most people, but they're good. The issue with textbooks is it takes a long time to get them published. So a lot of the new research that's going on doesn't end up in the textbooks until like 10 years later. So I like looking at either papers or listening to other people that even know how to read a paper better than I do, um, scientific journals, and seeing what their intake on is on it and then put it with clinical data. Um, I put that together to really figure out what's best for myself. I'm, I like doing biohacking. I like longevity. My goal is to live to 200, to get Dr. Jensen here to live to 200. That's a big good feat. luck. Good <laughs> luck. Damage has been done. Those vegetables. Um, <laughs> those vegetables are the hard part. Um, and then also, um, when I went to when I was in Birmingham, Michigan, I was working with um, a partner of mine, and she had a affiliate group of bone broth and intermittent fasting, and so that's really where I got my start when it came to understanding this. It led me down the path of Dave Asprey and Bulletproof, and then really kind of like taking a deep dive into it. Um, and so now it just kind of flows out of me. I don't like to talk unless you ask me one of these kind of questions. Then it seems like you can't get me to stop. So good mm-hmm. luck today. All right. Well, that's a great introduction. Thank you for doing that. Um, so I, so obviously I now am on an intermittent fasting type of a diet. And probably me, like a lot of people out there, um, are a little more old school. I mean, growing up for myself personally, I was an athlete. Um, after high school, I translated into powerlifting. 
And so, you know, when I was looking at muscle magazines and all the other stuff and reading about diet and protein intake and uh, eating schedules and stuff like that, uh, I was the guy that was up real early, big, big breakfast, stuffing my face with at least 50 to 60 grams of protein, like every two and a half to three hours, eating six times a day, um, you know, trying to get bigger and stronger and, and do all those types of things. And then you know, as time goes by and, and you you get to be, I hate to admit it, over the age of 40 and your metabolism starts to slow down, what I noticed is when I was still eating the same types of food, not really changing food types and what I was eating, but staying on that same schedule little by little, um, you know, I'm gaining weight um, at the same time, you know, uh, it was just confusing to me. And so I was like, wow, I, I thought when I ate more meals in smaller portions or frequently, you know, that built up the metabolism and that should then, you know, limit your amount of stored fat and you continue to work out. And then I had to increase workouts and it was like four days a week when I was in college. And now, you know, as, as a 40 year old guy, I'm working out six to seven days a week and still not seeing the results. And then you said, well, why don't you do intermittent fasting? And I was like, well, wait a minute, if you skip breakfast, you store fat. That's I, I heard that's what uh, uh, sumo Sumo wrestlers did is they skip breakfast first thing in the morning in order to slow the metabolism down in order to gain weight so they can sumo wrestle. And then I think you showed me like a picture of Terry Crews who does intermittent fasting. I'm like, how the hell is that guy so huge and ripped? And he's like doing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's old research and that's old news. Like now we know that intermittent fasting is like the healthiest thing to do that a lot of the athletes are doing it. And I was just like, no way. I, I just it couldn't wrap it around my head because it just doesn't didn't make sense to me, you know, but. The more research you looked into, you're like, oh, my God. So it took me three years, three years of, of telling you that to get you to even try. Yeah, it. yeah, pretty much <laughs> like talk about stubborn. I mean, I'm when I get set in my ways and I'm stubborn, I'm like, no, the research shows this. I'm like, well, no, actually, the research shows this. And here's Nobel Prize winning research. And I'm like, OK, well, then the person might know what they're talking about. They won the Nobel Prize. So so let's dive into it. So, you know. Intermittent fasting. You talk about, you know, fasting is part of the word. And so when you think a lot of people think fasting, they think starvation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's the difference between an intermittent fasting and like just starving to death, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have any food? That's the most common question I get, especially from my family, if you're listening. Um, I'm going to starve if I don't eat. Um, so it's, it seems interchangeable. However, the big difference between the two is actually going to be your intention. So with a fast, it's really understanding your biochemistry, what's going on with your body, understanding why you're doing it, and knowing when that next meal is coming. That gets your body prepped and your hormones and everything in a, in a place where you can actually control it. If it's something where you're starving, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're going to actually jump into a fight or flight sense and you're going to actually cause your hormones to be dysregulated and you're going to actually have a lot worse of time just not knowing when your next meal is coming, the anxiety and everything like that. Um, so that's one big difference is just what your pure intention is and knowing when that next meal is coming. And it's interesting is well, I'm actually trying to mimic starvation and, and hack it as in what are the good parts of being star like starved from food that you can actually hack and get the benefits of it, such as weight loss. Um, and it's funny because we always have a piece of, of fasting every day in our lives. It's very common. We're so far off from what our bodies are supposed to do that now just getting back to that normal seems drastic, even though it's the exact same thing we're supposed to be doing. We've just come so far off track. Mm -hmm. So fasting and starvation are, are interchangeable in, in 
most terms. However, it's like I said, the intention and understanding what you're going through and to keep your body understanding that the next meal is going to come and to calculate when it's going to come and how it's going to come. Gotcha. All right. Very, very good. So like, where did this all start? I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, we talk about fasting. I mean, it's very, very common. A lot of people know that, you know, certain religious groups, they they fast, you know, um, or limit certain types of food during different seasons or religious holidays and stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously, the act of doing this stuff um, is not uncommon. It's been going on hundreds of thousands of years, of course. But You mean Terry Crews didn't come up with this? No, I'm <laughs> apparently not, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, like, where where did this really take off? Like, at what point has research really gotten a deep dive into this to see that it is as healthy as it actually proves to be? Yeah. So you touched on a lot of it already. So a lot of it's ancestral. Um, this is just how our bodies were designed. Our biology was designed. There's supposed to be a feast and a famine to a lot of things, a yin and a yang, to a lot of things in our environment and our um, ecosystems in our in our bodies. And so therefore, there should be times of not eating and times of eating. Um, religion does this pretty well. Every religion has it. Some period of time when they go without. And that's really to give your body time to process what you've already had and also to reflect on the gratitude you should have for having those things in the first place. Um, but a big part of it's the circadian rhythm as well. So the, the day and night cycles go with a lot of things like how your body utilizes resources, utilizes the resources of the sun versus resources of what the sun creates, such as plants, um, and how your body delves into all of that. Because um, we know that the almost all life forms have two states that they're in. They're either going to be in a I'm looking, fighting, fleeing, searching for food. Or I have food and I'm trying to recreate and I'm, I'm building. So those are the two states that all life forms are usually in. And you can only be in one at a time. So it's really about a homeostasis, a balance between those two. So what we're really looking for is to balance out the time. So not to get too political about things, but it really came when we started to get research studies that were backed by the wrong people. And they were saying, eat all the time, eat all the time, because there's money in eating all the time. If you eat all the time, you're going to spend more money. Um, so if you have to eat every hour, which is what I think the standard American diet is right now, it's almost every hour. People are eating on something, drinking on something. They're constant. I mean, some people probably never stop. Um, and I think that's where we started to go awry. If you think about, I mean, maybe you, maybe you, even your mom probably heard of, oh, don't eat that snack. You're going to ruin your dinner. Things like that don't even exist anymore. It's like, oh, I got to have my kids snack as soon as they get home. And then, oh, there's a pre, you know, it's an appetizer for their dinner. It's, just, it's a constant thing. And I think when we started going down that path of wanting to give, 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 we forgot the importance of, of the pause and to stop doing that. So I think that's kind of what happened and that's where it came from. But like what happened while we don't do it anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of diet programs at my office and I always, you know, now now that we're recommending this is is a way to to lose weight and lose weight effectively and and in a healthy situation, um, you know, they say do you have a diet plan at your office and I say, "Well, I don't. I don't offer a diet plan." And I go, "The reason you'll never hear about this particular diet plan is that there's no money to be made in it because the best way to lose weight is just don't eat at all, you know? And so I don't have a shake to give you. I don't have a supplement to sell you. I don't have like a specific thing to do. I just say, if you don't eat, you know, you're obviously going to lose weight. It's just, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't not. Right. So, um, so yeah, so that's all really, really good too. Um, so how does intermittent fasting like actually work? Like why, why is it such an effective way in order to be healthy and lose, lose weight and, and do all the things that, that it's so good for? 
Yeah. So um, a little bit about myself as well in the background is I listen to a lot of data, but I never remember all of the actual data. I remember the concept of it. So um, it'll be fun because I get to, I'll explain this in a little bit of terms of how I like to put it because it makes sense in my head, um, even though I understand the math is there. And we can always link to some show notes or something like that. If you guys want the science, I can figure out where, I, where I've been learning all of this from and put it together. But for the most part, intermittent fasting works by you literally are just taking a break from food to let your body process the food you've already consumed and maybe then some, depending on how much of the then some you have. Um, so it really just means no calories. So there's There are different types of fasting. And I think we'll get into that later. Um, but it pretty much means just no calories, letting the hormones, letting everything kind of reset itself. Um, so how your body works is it's a machine in, in some sense. And so when your machine has a couple different fuel sources, it has one that's a gasoline and it's got one that's a diesel tank. So both of them work. They don't, you, you don't really don't use them at the same time. It's usually when one runs out, then you use the other or depending on your situation. So the most common one that people know about, and that's going to be glucose. Glucose is a fancy word for sugar. So your glucose is going to be coming from sugar and your carbohydrates break down into sugar. And then also your body breaks down protein eventually. And then if it doesn't use it as the amino acid, it turns it also into a, a glucose molecule as well in the liver. Um, so that's one fuel source. And then your other fuel source is going to be a ketone body. That's something with um, your body has fatty acids and it breaks down the fatty acids and it uses the fatty acids somewhat in energy source. Your muscles use those. And then it also breaks down to ketone bodies. And that's what the brain uses and some other things in the body. So between those two fuel sources, your glucose is like your gas and your ketone bodies is like your diesel. If you constantly keep putting gas in your car, there's no point for your body to use the diesel. The issue becomes when you put so much glucose in your body that your gas tank is full and you can't store it anymore in your gas tank and you start putting it in gas tanks and then put them in the backseat of your car and just constantly doing that. So why would you ever even use the, dual, the diesel if you have all that those gas tanks in there? So it's kind of like that, but the problem is you also run out of gas tanks um, and then you've got to turn it into a different form of energy. So in saying all of that, what happens is your glucose is in your blood and then you start to use up all so if you like the very last meal that you eat your glucose is now in the blood and then after the glucose in your blood has been used then it goes into your liver and it's going to use all of the glucose the glycogen that's in your liver that's stored there your body can store about mm, 24 hours probably worth of like glycogen in your liver that's your reserves so that's how we don't die every time we fall asleep we fall asleep our body uses all the use the, the glucose in the blood. It goes to the glycogen. And then from there, that's kind of where more of the magic happens. So once you're done with the, the glycogen in the liver, at 24 to 36 hours is kind of the most controversial portion right now. So this is something that we were arguing about just this morning. We, we, we have a co lovely conversations we about- We never argue. Lovely conversations about science <laughs> and some of the research and who's found the most- up-to-date one. And one of the issues right now is the, the protein part. So once your body uses all of the glycogen in the liver, the next spot that's going to be the most bioavailable is going to be protein. So obviously with Dr. Jensen- Or muscle. Or, or muscles. Mm -hmm. So with Dr. Jensen being into the, you know, wanting to be stronger and more fit, you know, that's a concern of his as well. Not so much for the ladies out there that are probably more looking to lose the weight, but you never know. Um, and so what'll happen is the body will actually start to go after those proteins 
in a slight form while it's waiting for that diesel tank to kick on. It's kind of like it's idle. So it'll eat some of the protein, the muscle that you have that's not really the best. It'll take out the worst ones and start busting down the cabinets in your house that are not that great. After the 24 to 36 hour kicks in, then your diesel tank is on and your ketone bodies and your triglycerides are released from those stores and you actually start using that as your primary fuel source. That's where the weight loss stuff begins. So what happened to that broken down protein, that broken down muscle that happened between 24 and 36? Well, as soon as you go into the fed state, which is just as important as the fast, is once you start eating again, your body's going to take that material and replace those kitchen cabinets with an even better version. So everything in your body goes through a um, destroy and repair, destroy and repair. Your bones do it. Um, your muscles have a harder time doing it unless you're working out. This is a different way of doing it. Um, so then those ketone bodies, those fats that are coming out of the stored area are going to be used mainly as your energy fuel going forward. And that's when that rapid weight loss. So there's a couple different ways to get into that. One is that like you just don't eat for those 36 hours and you're in. Another way to do that without being so extreme is ketosis. This is why if you've ever heard someone been like, oh, I went on the keto diet and I lost all this weight or I know someone that's done that, that's exactly what's happening. How they're getting into the keto diet, if they're eating bacon all day, that's a different story. We'll talk about that at a different time. Mm -hmm. um, but if you just want a kickstart into it, the majority of people will go straight into this. Okay. So then that being said, you would probably say that the best way to do it would be a ketogenic diet in an intermittent fasting schedule. Yes. Okay, good. Um, so then obviously uh, are there, you know, different ways to do like intermittent fasting? Like, cause I've heard, you know, you know, like, like, like a typical fast, you would think a normal fast would be like you're done with your dinner and then you go to bed and you sleep all night and then you wake up in the morning and then you eat your breakfast, which is breaking the fast. That's what they call it breakfast at some point. And so, you know, that would be maybe 12 hours or something like that, I suppose. But are there different like lengths of fasts that you go on and do those different lengths of fasts, say, have different things they accomplish for you. Yeah. So a big one that you're talking about is is the intention. Again, going back to the very beginning, what is your intention of doing the fast? If Once you know the biology of what's happening to your body with going without food, what part do you want to maximize based off of what your goal is? So a lot of people that want to do just a healthy maintenance. A maintenance is the easiest thing. Everybody should be fasting at least 12 hours a day. That's your last meal's at 8 o'clock at night and your first meal's not till 8 o'clock the next morning. That doesn't seem like that big of a deal and it, and it shouldn't be. That's a very normal thing. That's not going to the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, eating something at 5 a.m. right when you wake up because you need a pre-protein snack before you go to work out. The 8 to 8 or 6 to 6 or whatever schedule it is, is really good with the circadian rhythm. It's really good with your hormones and that's just a normal maintenance fast. I wouldn't even call that a fast. It's just more of that how the body's supposed to work. When you start to want to get to say like, gut repair, um, to really give your body a break, maybe to uh, stabilize your blood glucose, things like that, I would go into a little bit more of like the 18 to 24 hours. Um, once you get past 24 to the 36, um, that's more cellular repair. So that's where you're breaking down those proteins, breaking down those muscles that aren't really that good for you anyway, and you're getting into the, to the fat burning zone. Then once you get to the 36 to 72, that's your like sweet spot for fat loss. So when I tell people, oh, I want to I want to do intermittent fasting for um, weight loss, 
what's the best recommendation that I have personally from my own experience. And that's going to be a three-day fast. Three-day fast sounds scary at first until you think about, okay, if my last meal is at, you know, five o'clock on a Monday, you're eating not five o'clock on Tuesday, but kind of like five o'clock on Wednesday or five in the morning on Thursday. It, it goes a lot faster than you think when you start breaking it down in chunks like that. Um, so it's really only like a day and a half you're not eating, but it's really that long. So those are going to be your weight loss. And then after 72 hours, if anybody follows me on Facebook or um, knows me, I do a lot of five-day water fast. Uh, that's like a little bit more on the extreme side. Um, it takes a minute to get to that level. You don't just want to jump in doing that. You won't like it, I promise you. Um, but what the five-day water fast is, that's 72 to 120 hours. This is the newest research that's coming out, um, and it's going to be more on cellular and neural regeneration. The same concept that you heard with the protein breaking down in order to break down those old cabinets to put new ones in, same thing happens with neural tissue. It just obviously that's a, it's harder to get to. So there's a lot of research going on with Alzheimer's, and I'm I'm I have Alzheimer's in my family. I've I've got a grandmother. I watched go through it, um, and so I I really kind of want anybody that's struggling with that, like to understand since there is no cure for it yet, there is no real understanding of it in itself to maybe start taking preventions back when you're in your thirties. If you do have that gene that maybe is a high precedence to having it. So one of the things that's being studied is people that do five day water fast between 72 and 120 hours actually will go into a neural cell that's already damaged. It will break it down through something called autophagy. The autophagy will then have the cell eat itself, take its parts apart, and start to use that as energy. And then what happens is once you start eating again, your body actually will pull up new stem cells from your body to create new neural tissue for all those damaged ones. So it's a really good way of, like, renovating your nervous system. Wow. I know that's the same process that really occurs uh, as we talk about with apoptosis and cancer cells is Mm -hmm. that, you know, we all have – cancer cells in our bodies, obviously, and it's really a two-part process. It's predicated on uh, having really good immunity, obviously, and, and, and recognizing that if, if cells begin to get cancerous, that your immune system recognizes that kills it and, and destroys it before the tumor begins to get out of control. And then number two, we have a defense mechanism in all of our cells, which says when things go wrong and that genetic um, uh, makeup gets haywired that the cell recognizes it and kills itself before it, it gets out of control again. So that, uh, that cellular autophagy, uh, intermittent fasting obviously has a tremendous benefit on, uh, anti-cancer, uh, prevention as well. And that's essentially also when you look at cancer, like what's the number one thing that feeds cancer sugar, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, it's that sugary high carb processed food diets in the United States is, is why our cancer rates are just freaking out of, the, out of this world right now. So speaking of the cancer, that was um, Dr. Longo's work. He's doing a fasting, fasting mimicking diet. So you asked me the different types of, of fasting. So the timing one, depending on your goal, there's also a couple different variations that you can do. That's if you do extreme, you know, no calories in. You can have some that have bone broth or low calorie. They're usually under 500. That's just so your, um, your insulin doesn't spike and it kind of mimics the same thing. That's Dr. Vol- um, Walter Longo's work. And what he's working on is fasting mimicking programs where you go for five days, but you keep it your calories and your and your glucose at a certain level to where your body actually doesn't um, think that it's eating, even though you are. And it's going to do the same things. This is what he's been using on in conjunction with chemo. 
So if anybody ever is going through that or wants any of that information, the Fasting Mimicking Diet of Dr. Longo is a, a great resource on if I were going through chemo, I would definitely be on that diet while I was on chemo. Right. Starve out the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. Give them nothing to eat. That's that's yeah. the best thing about it. And then there's a, two other types of, of them. Um, that's going to be your macronutrient cycling, which is stop protein for a week. Give your body time to, di- to digest the protein that it's in there, especially if you've been eating, like I said, you're one of those keto people that went all crazy on the bacon. Give yourself a week off of, of protein and have no protein for the whole week. Let your body go through the cycle of what it needs to do to actually go through all the stuff that you've already consumed clean it up, use it, and then prepare itself for when you absorb it again. Um, So there's macronutrient cycling, and then there's also extended cycling, which is going longer. So five days is kind of the sweet spot. Three to five days is the sweet spot for neural autophagy regeneration, those type of things you were just talking about. You can go longer than five days. This is the part that gets really uh, tricky because a lot of people are like, oh, it's really bad for you. However, I, I know of a, the study that uh, has a guy that went 365 days, no food, just a couple um, electrolytes and a couple basic supplements and no food. Um, he lost a lot of weight at the beginning and then his body was just very good at maintaining it. And he said he felt great the whole time. So you can do that. I don't suggest that, obviously, but just to know, like if you want to do an extended one, the longest I've gone is 21 days. The hardest thing for me is social. I, I had people that wanted to go out with me and I wanted to go out and eat and um, I had to break it for that kind of a reason. But at the same time, I felt great during those 21 days and just really letting your body use things that were already, and I was also a little overweight. So I had a lot my body could use. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's break to our sponsor. Hey, everybody. Uh, got something to admit today. I hate vegetables. I really hate them. Hated them all my life. Mom could never get me to eat them. Um, I have uh, pre-cooked food. Uh, Vegetables come in it. Don't eat them. I'll eat the protein. I'll eat the carbohydrates. I'll do anything and and hate vegetables. Yet, obviously being in the health and wellness industry, I understand that vegetables are a vital component and people live much longer lives when they have a diet that's dominant in vegetables and actually a little bit leaner on the protein side. So, So we're in a conundrum, but then I found a company called Organifi. And Organifi has some really, really awesome products. And one of the main ones that I uh, try to take in on a regular daily basis now to get all of my vegetable content for the day is called the green juice. So we're talking wheatgrass, beet, spirulina, uh, turmeric. It's got uh, moringa, it's got mint, it's got chlorella, it's got coconut water, it's got ashwagandha in it. So basically one little scoop of this stuff, put it in some water, and uh, mix it up, uh, put it over some ice if you want, and it tastes like a minty, green, coconutty uh, amazingness in your mouth. Uh, so that's something that, that can replace some of the nutrient deficiencies that I'm gonna get when I'm eating more of a protein-rich diet and I'm hating those vegetables. They have other amazing products. They have another one called Red Juice. It's got cordyceps in it, it's got acai in it, it's got beets, it's got rhodiola, which is an actually an amazing adaptogen. So a lady I gave it to the other day said, man, I take that in the early afternoon about 3 o'clock, it perks me up, I got energy for the rest of the day and I don't have to have that coffee or that five-hour energy. So that's another amazing one. Living in the times that we live in right now, they got another one called immunity. Immunity's got orange, it's got zinc, it's like the king of uh, vitamins as it comes to supplementation for immune response. It's got uh, mushroom beta-glucan, acerola in it, turmeric in it, ginger in it, monk fruit. So sip of that, it's 
like, like super hyped up orange juice and it's really, really good for your immune response. It bumps up your immunity, makes it much less likely you're going to get sick or get the flu or any of these other type of viral implications. If you have skin issues, you want to get really good, beautiful, glowing skin. They got another one called Glow. Gets the collagen production up in your skin, removes fine lines and wrinkles. Uh, it's a strawberry flavored drink. And then another really, really favorite one of mine as I try to wind down at the end of the day is one called Gold. And a special that's uh, coming up right now, obviously it's fall, they have one that's a pumpkin ginger spice. So you put that in with a little bit of almond milk at the end of the night, maybe 8, 9 p.m., drink it, nice little nightcap before you go to bed, and you sleep like a baby all night long. It helps you recover. So we have a special going on for listeners. You go to Organifi.com. Uh, in the tab, you're going to put Evolve 15, and that's going to get you 15% off any one of those products, and that's Evolve 15 for 15% discount. So go check it out. You'll be glad you did. All right. Well, let's dive back in. Um, we talked about weight loss. Uh, you know, We got into some other the health benefits as far as um, neuroregenerative properties and Alzheimer's and detoxification and everything else like that. But, um, and I also would just want to note that, you know, the intermittent fasting again, as, as I understand is, is just the schedule of how you're eating and, and taking when you're feeding and when you're not feeding. And it, it's just a schedule. Now, the type of food that you eat could be anything. I mean, you could be a ketogenic diet, you could be a paleo diet, you could be a Mediterranean diet, you could be a carnivore diet. You could, you know, so so the types of foods that you're eating are not what an intermittent fasting diet's about. It's just the time frames that you're eating during and whatever foods you're consuming. Is that is that correct as correct. well? Correct. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier because then you don't have to worry about. I mean, obviously, you just get the most healthy food that you could think of, like your fruits and your vegetables, your your meats, your sa- your good. Well, oils. just your fruits, not your vegetables per se. Um, that's more carnivore, right? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever whatever you're into right now with whatever science, whatever jives with you, whatever you're going to stick to, and it's a healthier thing, um, the biggest thing that you want to avoid is out of everything is things that are going to cause you inflammation because that causes your body to really – inflammation and toxins, those live inside of the fat cells themselves. That's another – reason you have fat cells is one for energy storage and two to house toxins. So like that's where your body stores a lot of those. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but. So don't eat uh, Twinkies like when you're in your feeding time. Yeah. When you're in your feeding time, make sure that how I like to put it is if you just spent all this time cleaning your house, whether it be 12 hours or 48 hours or five days, you've cleaning your house. Would you walk into your house with muddy boots on? It's, no. it's it's not something that you would normally do. So it's kind of like, what do you want to re-put back into your body once you've cleaned it? And it's, it's anything packaged, anything that's processed, all that stuff is going to just take a toll on your nice new clean body. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds amazing. Obviously, it sounds like it takes discipline. But again, like, you know, I always have my saying, safety never takes a day off. So that being said... Is there certain dangers or certain, say, types of people with certain conditions or whatever it may be that want to be a little bit careful or maybe shouldn't actually do this style of eating as it may be? Of course. So even though we're all human and we have that in common, we do have some different things that are going on during our life cycles. Um, One of them are people that might have gone too far already and now they have blood glucose issues. Maybe they're pre-diabetic, they have diabetes those type of things, anything where you're already looking at 
lowering your blood sugars or regulating your blood sugars through a medication. Now you're altering normal physiology. So if you're going to be doing anything when it comes to fasting, you should definitely be talking with your doctor while you're doing it because those medications might need to be changed based off what you're eating. Um, If you're used to eating Twinkies all day and now you're not, that should be monitored in itself. So if you're eating Twinkies and and you eat a Twinkie only every other hour, that still needs to be monitored just the same. Mm -hmm. So anybody that's on like glucose um, lowering medicines, um, type 2 diabetes, just do it in conjunction with your doctor. Let them know they're going to think you're crazy at first, but just let them know this is what you want to try and have them help you through it. Um, The other type of people are going to be people that are super lean. So like I said, when I did the 21 day, I was overweight and I had a lot of reserves. If you don't have a lot of reserves, as in your body fat is actually really low, the 12 hours, the 16 hours, up to 24 is probably fine. Anything beyond that, you don't have a lot of reserves. So to keep that in mind when you're doing it. Um, And then the last people that probably should be very cautious is pregnant women and children. They're in the growing stage. You want them to be fed. They're obviously growing new things um, or growing themselves. And so like a six to six for a child is fine. Uh, We have been listening to some things lately about children doing it because obviously childhood obesity has gone up and through the roof. So even though, yes, they're in the growth phase, the growth phase with the blood sugar issues that they're having, it probably is more beneficial that they do intermittent fasting than not if they're in that danger zone of having other issues such as the pre-diabetics. Oh, okay. That being said, obviously, is is there like side effects or symptoms or... You know, things like, you know, I mean, obviously, for example, somebody's used to, you know, eating a bad diet or eating, you know, every two and a half to three hours and things like that and having their normal daily routines and their normal sleep patterns and stuff like that. Are there, you know, any like, say, detoxification symptoms or, or, or things that people are, you know, are going to have to go through or, you know, um, you know, like, I guess the best example, like sometimes people talk about when they go through a detox, like they feel feverish or they get to shills or they can't sleep at night or they have the shakes or stuff yeah. like that. You know, is there stuff that's going to happen like that inevitably or or what's the story with that? Some, yes. Um, it all depends on how you were living previously to doing the fast. So if you're somebody that loves your caffeine and you have a ton of caffeine every single day and then you move to having no caffeine, those first couple hours are going to kill you. Can you have caffeine if you fast? I mean, you it's can. not technically a calorie, is it? It's not a calorie. You can have black coffee, you can have herbal teas, and you can have water. That's kind of like the most safe zone to live in. When I do a five-day fast, because I'm also looking at cleaning up my caffeine because I like caffeine, um, I try not to have it during my fast. You can if it's that bad. Or the week or two prior to you starting your intermittent fast, you can start to wean yourself off so you don't have to go through that symptom along with some of the other ones that might come. Um, something else that might come are hunger pains. So you might even notice this now. What time is it? It's like one o'clock. Mm-hmm. You might be hungry right now, but that's because for the last three weeks you've ate at one o'clock. Have you ever gotten so busy that by the time three o'clock rolls around, you're like, oh my gosh, it was lunch and I totally forgot to eat, but I'm not even hungry now. I'll just wait till supper. All the time. All the time. So hunger is regulated by your ghrelin and a couple other hormones, and they're all based off time. So when it comes to timing, you have to break those cycles. So it's really hard at first because if you're used to eating every hour, you're going to be hungry every hour. But as long as you just know it's a timing issue, it's a hormone issue, within that next period of time, it'll go away. It's mm. not that you're truly hungry. It's just that you're used to eating. And so your body's starting to ramp up. Be like, oh, he's going to put some more food in me. I better start getting my digestive enzymes going and getting ready for it. 
So then you hear like, you know, like the stomach contracting, the growling, the, oh, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't eat foot in an hour. It's not that way. Yeah. So the best way to get away from hunger pains is that. And then also just a lot of the time it's water. Most people are dehydrated nowadays. And so when you take away the food, um, most people are confusing food with hunger or with being, being dehydrated with hunger. Mm-hmm. And so drink water will usually help it. You know what I've also found really, really good, which is a, a cool little hack, um, is just uh, supplementing with essential amino acids. Like anytime I'm like hungry or I have a craving at night or anything else like that, and, and I make this recommendation now for a lot of the people that we put on an intermittent fasting schedule, I said, yeah, there's going to be times where you get hungry because you're used to eating and you're going to have a craving and you're going to want chocolate or a sweet. Just throw a little scoop of these essential amino acids uh, in some water, shake it up, drink it. And like every single person that's told me that, and obviously my personal experience is, within 30 minutes, like you have no hunger and you have no cravings whatsoever. It just like satisfies that brain chemistry and um, and neurology to say like, yeah, you know, everything's good. You're not starving to death. Like you've got amino acids in your in your blood right now. So that that's, that's a cool little thing I've been doing. Um, an athlete. Um, you know, somebody that's, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of different examples, but you, you got somebody that trains really hard, professional athlete, marathon runner, CrossFitter, you know, and they're like, you know, yeah, let me let me jump in and do an intermittent fasting. Like, is that going to be an issue because they're going to like bonk or they're going to like get such blood, blood sugars, they're going to like, you know, like die in the middle of the race and stuff like that? Or, you know, like what's your advice as far as like athletes or people that are training pretty hard? Um, that's probably a whole podcast in itself because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways that that exercise goes into this and training goes into this for the normal person that maybe either doesn't work out or they're looking at losing weight or they're just working out every day, but they're just doing like a light 30 minute something. Um, I have some information for, for those type of people when it comes to those bigger bodybuilders, those extreme racing people, like I said, that's a whole different world um, that we would have to discuss. It is safe. You just have to just modify it a little bit for the normal person. The best way to get the best bang for your buck when it comes to the weight loss side of it. The weight loss side of it's going to be, I like saying what Ben Greenfield does all the time. He does the strike, um, the what is it, the strike? You've heard it before. I know he, he recommends uh, waking up uh, fasted ah, cardio every scroll. single morning. Uh, and, the word. <laughs> and, and some type of cryo, you know, like yeah. cold shower, cold soak. So he has a good acronym for it. He calls it Strike Stroll Shiver. Shiver. I couldn't remember okay. Stroll. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so what that means is strike means you're going on a hunger strike. So you haven't eaten all night. Mm-hmm. And then after you haven't eaten all night, then you go on to your stroll. So you do a 30 to 45 minute uh, light cardio workout, a light walk that you can talk to somebody, um, something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then you do something cold thermogenesis. That's a hormesis um, additive that you can do to really start converting those fat cells also into um, fat burning. So when you talk about an athlete like that, that's perfectly fine. That's probably something everybody should do every day if they can. When you're talking about working out, one of the other big myths that I still fight with a lot of um, bodybuilders, fitness trainers, um, physical therapists, things like that are you have to eat either right before workout or right after. You were guilty of this even when I first met you too. I always ate within 30 minutes after working out so that we can restore protein and glucose and build muscle. Always. And That was the deal. <laughs> once again, not to get too political, a lot of those studies were based around, were only done by protein shake manufacturers. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get someone, because they know when you, write, when you get out of the gym, 
it takes you about 30 minutes to get home. So you're not going to go home and cook chicken as soon as you get home or make a, make a breakfast. Most of the time, you're actually going to throw a shake in and you're going to take your shake in to get all of those those yeah. nutrients. So once you start looking into those type of things in those studies, other than those studies that were done by those um, protein shake manufacturers, there's none out there saying that right after you eat, right after you work out, you should eat. It's actually best to do a couple hours after that mm-hmm. to really let your body go through everything it needs to of the breaking down, using other materials that you have in your body to repair it before adding mm-hmm. more in. Yeah. And especially when it comes to weight loss now, now that I understand that whole concept, like you get done working out, you continue to burn fat and burn fat and burn fat, especially with um, uh, was this resistance weight training. Like cardio does pretty much when you're done with cardio, like running, that's it. It's done. It's, it's not burning fat, but the muscle actually with weight training continues to burn fat for hours after you're done training. And so, yeah, if you're just trying to get your blood glucose back up, then you're back into burning the glucose from the shake and the protein and you're not actually trimming into that fat. So it's going to inhibit the, the fat loss and leaning out a little bit more. Um, so, you know, not everybody obviously is, is a world-class athlete out there or, or anything else like that. So, Somebody goes, you know what, that's, that's an interesting concept. Um, I want to try that. I've tried a lot of different like diets and weight loss programs or all the other things like that. So, you know, let me, let me give this a shot. Like what is the best way, you know, what's like the one thing they can do today that we can, you know, step-by-step process to get them into like a full blown five day water fast. Cause you're not going to go no. straight into that. You're going to, you're going to die, not die, but you're going to like, feel like you're going to die. You're going to be lethargic. You're going to be I'm non-productive. Gonna you're you're gonna not going to sleep and you're going to be like miserable. So what's the easiest and most effective and safest way just to get into it? So the first time I heard about intermittent fasting was probably about 10 years ago. So through trial and error of 10 years and also practicing within those 10 years and having patients and putting them on it and seeing what they've gone through, putting family members and friends, um, going through it myself, I've kind of been narrowing down like what I feel works the best, what's the most compliant, what's the things that are going to actually help the most get you to that goal the fastest because I'm one of those people that's in it to win it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way. Um but at the same time, like there's some things that you can do to prep yourself so you don't have to go through as many of those side effects that you're talking about. So one of the very first things I tell people to do is try to go on a ketogenic diet for at least the first week or two. What's what, defined as a ketogenic diet? A ketogenic diet in layman's terms, I guess, is about under 50 grams of carbs a day. Um, it's really taking out all processed, refined foods. Anything that's got a package or a box, don't, don't eat that. Um, so like your meat, your vegetables, um, some berries – and your good oils. So you're talking like your olive oil, your non-heated olive oil, cold olive oil, like on a salad is great. Um, Avocados, some macadamia nuts, those type of things are actually really good for you to have those along with a medium portion of of meat and a larger portion of vegetables together is a ketogenic diet under 50 grams. I like to keep it under 20, but like I said, I've been doing it for a long time. So 50 will get you there. What that's going to do is that's going to start to slowly get your body used to not having so much gas in your gas tank, and then it'll actually run out of gas in the middle of the night and turn into diesel because that's already going on. And then you eat again, and so your body's kind of getting semi-adapted for it. Um, So the first thing to do is to go into that ketogenic diet for a week or two, get your body prepped for it, and then to take it slow after that. So like I said, a lot of people eat every hour anymore. I I see some people, you know, in the office, like I got to eat, I got to eat. They have their meals planned out by the hour. Those type of things will cause you, if you try to go 12 hours, even you'll, you'll hate it. So to like, what I always tell people is just to make their window, which their window in my terms is 
when the last time they eat to when the first time they eat. So from their last meal of the day to the first time they're going to break their fast, that's your window. So if your window is normally an hour, try tomorrow only having a two-hour window. Then do that for about a week or so and then do a three-hour window. So the majority of people, if you're already doing 12 and 12, like you should be doing, now instead of doing 8 to 8, you're doing, I'm going to do 8 o'clock my last meal and then 11 o'clock is my first meal. And that's what I did with you too. I mm-hmm. made you push it just a little hour. Yeah, I went 8 to 8 p.m. as my last meal in noon. And I did that for a bit. And then what I noticed was 8 o'clock at night. And that and that's also the thing is like the window's the window. I mean, the window that I found was like, doesn't matter when the window is. It just matters that there's a 16-hour gap in the window when I'm not eating. And so what I found out is that um, through my Aura Ring uh, and tracking my sleep is that when I was eating at 8 o'clock at night and then trying to go to bed at 10, like my body temperature up, my heart rate was up, my heart rate variability was down, I was restless at night, I wasn't sleeping well, and then that was affecting my readiness the next day. So then what I said is, well, I can't do that. So I have to have my last meal kind of right before we get done with work at 6 p.m. So then I moved my first meal up to 10 a.m. So now my windows are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then I don't eat anything, you know, between basically 6 p.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning. And my sleep is better. My heart rate variability is better. My temperature is better. My readiness scores are better on my ring. And I get to eat at 10 a.m. and not noon. So that's actually even a little better. And then socially, so all matters on what are you going to stick to? What's socially right for you? If you're a, you know, a night shift worker and you work different hours than someone that's on first shift versus third shift, that's all going to matter too. So it's really about understanding what's going to work best for you, but just knowing that the window is the window. Yeah. Um, and then the other good news about intermittent fasting is this is all general information, but you don't have to do intermittent fasting every single day. It's literally intermittent. So you can do... The 12-hour fast, like I said, that's just normal and healthy. And then the next day, you can do a 24-hour fast, which just means if you go 8 to 8, your next meal isn't until 8 o'clock that next night. And you did a 24-hour fast without even realizing it. So that's when you can start doing that and then go right back to your 12 and 12. It's There's a lot of different ways that you can play with it once you understand what those hour markers do and what your physiology is doing inside of it. The last thing I would say is if you're going to go beyond the normal um, three-day fast, um, for that weight loss, and you do want to get into the autophagy stage, just remember that last piece. And this is something newer that I've been finding out is because of those toxins inside of the fat, if you're starting to lose a lot of weight, your toxins are going to get released as well. When the toxins are getting released, now they're free floating in the body and you'll get, they'll get reabsorbed if there's no good way to get them out. So then that's where you also get that flu feeling where you're like, something's wrong because your body has overload of toxins that are now getting reabsorbed. So you have to find a binder to get those toxins out when you start noticing you're losing weight. Activated charcoal is good. There's a couple different brands that, that I use. Um, the Cyto Detox, which basically just takes all that cellular debris, the, the toxins, and it binds it and it helps your body flush it so it doesn't go back into the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then other good de- detoxification stuff, sweating, obviously. So oh, yeah. saunas, infrared sweatings. saunas, like all that stuff obviously is is crucial in detoxification process and yep. stuff like that. So it's all really, really good stuff. So, all right. Well, you know, that, that kind of got through some of the questions that I really had for you. Um, so, yeah. So basically, if there are people that have like questions from this and stuff like that, like probably what's the best way to kind of get a hold of us or ask some questions or email us if they have any any questions about some of the topics we covered today? Um, hmm, that's a good question. So a lot of them, they can you can just ask Dr. Jensen and mm-hmm. he'll come find me yep. and I'll help with that. 
Um, or, you know, we'll link to like um, the email address to the office. That's mm-hmm. a good way to do it. You can comment on our Facebook page. We're usually pretty good at responding on that too. Yeah, um, we got uh, Facebook, we got Instagram. Uh, it's all Premier Wellness Centers. Um, I don't know how to use Instagram. And then when you go to so. premierwellnesscenters.com, <laughs> Um, there's a little contact us button. And if you go to that, you can contact us and then we get the email emails directly to our emails and we can respond back to you guys listening out there um, or watching us here on YouTube today. So, well, thank you so, so much for coming on, being a trooper. Now you're going to be a regular guest, I think, on some some more advanced topics as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole down the road. So I hope you had we'll a good see. time today. I, I did have a good time, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see about the rest. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening or watching everybody there today. And we look forward to seeing you uh, in a month for our next podcast. Um, I, really, really cool topic that's going to be coming up. And I think it's super, super appropriate. Um, it's going to be uh, on happiness. And so uh, we're going to have a special guest on and he's going to talk about all the research as it pertains to how to be a happier person. So I know we all can do that. So take care, be well, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.